Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to a special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. You'll note I didn't say very special because I am unfortunately not joined by my co-host, Walter C.A.D.'s Fedchuk from Slingshot Esports. He is sadly sick today. He was unable to come on the pod, which means I have been thrust into the position of doing a solo cast for you guys. Because, as you guys know by this point, we have a motto on this show that we stole from Jalen Rose, which is we got to give the people what they want. And I am going to do that for you guys today. It's going to be a little bit different than our usual shows because I don't have a co-host, obviously, to bounce off of. I've also been spending most of the week packing and getting ready to finally head over to Istanbul. As I mentioned in the last podcast, my visa has been approved. I'm going to start doing a ton of stuff over there. And once I get over there, the number of interviews and written pieces, content, all that stuff is going to start coming to you guys more and more So I haven't had the time to really go into three teams in depth the way that we usually do on this podcast. So instead, this is going to be more of a Chase's thoughts that he's had about the European scene for the last week or so. These are the kind of things that I would usually write about, or at the very least, I would you know, be talking about, texting about with friends, other analysts, getting everyone's kind of perspective on it in a less formal way. But now I'm just going to share all of that directly with you guys, and hopefully you like it. I think it's going to be a very different kind of podcast, but I think it's going to be a very fun kind of experiment as you guys delve into what it is like to be me and watch all of these games and try to make sense of all of the craziness that is Professional League of Legends. And don't worry, I'll have the gambling lines at the end because what would this podcast be if we didn't go over some gambling lines from our fine friends at Unicorn? But we're going to start with the thing that I've been thinking about most over the last week, and that is the MVP of the European split so far. We're a little over halfway through the split now. Everyone's played each other at least once. Uh, We obviously did the first round of the second game that people will play uh, this past week, but still, we're 10 games into an 18-game season. I think halfway is is fine to say. And that leads a lot of people to start saying, well, who are our mid-season award winners? You know, who is the mid-season MVP? Who would be on our mid-season all-star team? Because we've seen enough right now to kind of know some things about what's going to happen. And there are going to be some things that change. There are going to be some things that surprise us. Players will obviously move up and move down. But at the end of the day, I think we have more than enough of a sample size to start talking about these kinds of things. And the MVP race, for me, has always been a fascinating one. Because it means so many different things to different people. You know, some people would say it's just the player who has the best stats across the board, period. You know, whoever that guy is who you just see just dominate on a statistical level. Some people will say it's the guy who passes the eye test. You know, whoever it is where you're watching them and you go, wow, I am watching the most talented guy in the scene right now. Some people will say it's, you know, most value for their position. So whoever has the biggest gap between the best and second best at their position, whoever is the best is the guy who's the most valuable because you have the most net gain for having that guy. Some people will say it's the guy who, if you were starting a team today and your life depended on it, gun to your head, who is your first pick? There's so many different ways you can look at this question. And honestly, it's a question that I love to think about. Because, not just because, you know, Walter and I have done 
podcasts in the past where we try to break down how we would draft the league if all of the players were thrown into one big pot and you could take whoever you wanted. That certainly doesn't hurt, but that's not the only reason why I'm interested in this. I'm interested because right now in Europe, I'm not sure that there is an MVP. And it's for two reasons. One, I think that so much of Europe right now has broken down into stylistic choices rather than individual performances. If you look at the way that G2 Esports or Unicorns of Love play, it's a very aggressive style. It's very, I want to fight you. I want to pick skirmishes. I want to make sure that you have to react to what we are doing. Whereas H2K, you know, they're more of a 4-1 split push, focus on objectives, take the towers, and then you know, make them come to you. And Vitality is this 1-3-1 split push, you know, having Nuke Duck and Kabashar just do their thing. Origin obviously is doing the protect the AD carry composition. There's a lot right now. There's a lot of different stylistic choices that are helping certain players look better than others. And what it comes down to at the end of the day is I don't really know where where the right place to start is. And there have been some articles that I think have started this conversation in a very interesting way. The Sven versus Forgiven article that was written by Kelsey Moser was one of the best articles I've read in a while touching on this kind of thing where she just looked at what these two players were able to do and how their systems benefited them or hurt them in certain cases. Uh, you know, you can explain a lot of Forgiven's falloff, for instance, and the fact that he hasn't been able to play the Corky recently. He hasn't had the chance to have the lane dominance that he is used to. But at the same time, Sven has been getting every possible resource from his team. They have been building compositions around him as an AD carry and turning on him to be that guy. You know, he's played a lot of those hard carry champions, and there's a reason that when he you know, if you look at just the pure stats, he is jumping off the page. But at the same time, you know, how much credit do we want to give Sven for being a great AD carry? Certainly a great AD carry, but a great AD carry in a system that is built for him to succeed versus Forgiven, who has been almost as good, if you look at the stats, and has had moments where he's looked absolutely unbeatable at his peak but at the same time is not being given that same privilege. It's, it's difficult, right? And then you get things like G2 Esports, where there are three guys, Perks, Trick, and Kickers, who have all at one point really impressed, really done a lot to demonstrate just how valuable they are to their team. But they all kind of cancel each other out of the MVP, right? If there are three guys that make your team as amazing as they are, well, then there's not one most valuable guy now, is there? It's it's so – it's kind of interesting to see how that plays back and forth. And it leads me to the guy that I would end up picking right now, which is Cabochard. And people are surprised when I say this, maybe some more than others. But Cabochard right now, if you remove him from Vitality, I have no idea what they do. They certainly – Shook has not been the kind of guy to help get Cabochard or Nuke Duck all of the resources that they need. Shook is many things, but he is not the kind of jungler that really makes a ton of plays in the early game at this point to get his team going. He's much more utility-focused in the mid-to-late game and, and 
hoping that he helps get more kills than he gives up. And Hjarnan and Kazing are much more cleanup kind of players. You need Cabochard or Nukeduck to really start making plays. And at the end of the day for Vitality, the answer has been Cabochard. He has been such a dominant threat in the top lane, either by these hard-carrying, split-pushing champions or even doing things like Lucian, for goodness sake. I mean, we saw a Lucian top lane that was absolutely monstrous. And yes, I understand he was playing against Steve, but Steve is not the worst top laner that we have in Europe right now. And he made him look like a guy that didn't even belong in the European Challenger Series. That's how good that performance was. And honestly, it's it's the thing that's enabled Vitality to play around the map so efficiently. Because once Cabochard becomes a threat, well, then you need to put all these resources towards keeping him down. And that's when Nukeduck comes in and goes to the lane that has had to pull those resources. And now he's split-pushing like crazy. And now suddenly you have two guys who've gotten a ton of resources for their team, both of which need your attention. And in the meantime, you've got Hjarnan causing, and usually Shook in the mid lane, who would just love to keep poking you out over and over and over again, because causing does a pretty good job of keeping those guys alive. But that whole team, you have to go through Cabochard. It would not work in a situation in which they did not have a hard-carrying top laner. And with every other team, you know, there are ways that they could get it done. There are other players that they could put into that situation and have a very similar result. But I don't think anyone in Europe right now has quite the split-pushing dominance that Cabochard has right now. Certainly not Odo Omne, who seems to have taken a step back uh, and is benefiting quite a bit from taking champions like Fiora that have either been broken or champions that can at least scale into the late game enough that some of his laning issues, which is just a weird thing to say about Odo Omne, but just his inability to dominate the same way that we saw him last split, we'll say, he's been able to make up for it with the champions and the rest of what his team brings. You know, Visit Chachi obviously has had some great games. I have no idea how that guy continues to be as strong as he is with three different junglers over the course of five weeks now. It, it honestly blows my mind. But it, both of those teams have talented guys that you could theoretically build the system in a slightly different way with the rest of the talent they have and they'd be fine. Vitality needs Cabochard. And right now, if I was looking for one guy who I knew I could build an entire strategy around. It's Cabochard. Because if I take Cabochard, I know I have an amazing split-pushing top laner that will require enemy attention, and I can fill in the rest with that knowledge and feel pretty good about it. So that's where I come down on that. It's I have no idea if it's the popular opinion or not, to be honest with you. It's something that I've talked to Walter about, and that's where he ended up at the end of the day, mostly because... He is not a fan of the fact that Forgiven seems to have been taken a couple games off. And given last week, I'm kind of inclined to agree. I still don't understand how you go 24 minutes in a game nowadays after the buffs that Caitlyn has gone to her traps and not put a single point in it. I don't understand how you have four items and no Last Whisper when you have such an 80-heavy team and your opponent can so easily just spec into armor and just wipe your team out. It was one of those things where I 
am worried now for H2K, to be honest with you. I think Forgiven is one of those guys we said, as long as he keeps winning, he's going to be fine. But if he checks out, good luck to you. And honestly, it does feel like he checked out a little bit ever since Selfie's been involved. And maybe that changes when Ryu comes back and he's back with the mid laner he respects and he has more confidence in how some of these rotations are going to be going on, how the team can play around him, how he doesn't have to be a very specific thing for the rest of his team. But man, oh man, isn't it worrying that he can have games like that? Because that's something that H2K, if they're going to be the top team in the region, and right now, you know, it's them and G2 tied for first. They've split their series now, so it will come down to how they do against the rest of the league. But that's not the kind of game that H2K could afford to get from Forgiven. He can't be that guy if they're going to move forward. Last thing I want to talk about before we get into just the picks for the week. I'm really, really curious to see how Unicorns of Love end up. And I know we've talked about them before on this pod, I think maybe twice now. But they're such a fascinating team to watch, aren't they? I mean, Fox had a great week this week. Undoubtedly a great week this week. And, you know, I saw that game against H2K. And my first thought was, that is such a winnable game to lose. That's really what it came down to. I mean, both teams were making mistakes, but the mistakes that the Unicorns of Love made were astronomically worse. I mean, the Barons they gave up were inexcusable calls to to say, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase. And, you know, it's one thing to say, like, look, they went nearly 50 minutes against an H2K team that is at the top of the bracket. They're seven and three. They're, that's nothing to be ashamed about. It was a great performance from them as a whole, and their fanatic performance was relatively dominant. But at the same time, man, I just I wonder what it is about this team where that kind of later game macro play is such a problem for them. I mean, this is a team that we've talked about before. I was worried about how they were going to play when they fell behind, but they did fall behind in that H2K game, and that wasn't the problem. They reclaimed the lead. It turns out Fox has no problem playing from behind. He was able to to do his thing, start getting some nice roams on the Ari. Steelback, of course, had another great week. He's somehow evolved into the second second or third best AD carry in Europe. I was about to say second best, but only because uh, Forgiven's been slipping a little bit. But I'm going to say third best AD carry at this point. And to me, it's just such a shame that there are so many macro things that this team just doesn't get. Especially because what it leads me back to is this whole Visa thing sucks. And I know that this is not a new piece of information, right? Ryu's just now coming back. Edward is gone from Rocket. Who knows what they are capable of with his veteran presence? Probably not a lot, but more than they've accomplished, I think, certainly. But Diamond was the one guy on that Unicorns of Love team that really demonstrated a great understanding of late-game macro play. Certainly, we haven't seen a lot of it from him this split, but he has so many years of experience. You know, even you just look back at Season 2, that's pretty much nothing but late-game shot-calling. We know that had he been around... The ability for them to make those kinds of educated decisions, especially around neutral objectives like Baron, who knows what they could have been. I mean, Rudy is a great player as far as 
understanding the mechanics of the game, but he makes so many decisions to just go when he shouldn't. Uh, you'll see him constantly engage in fights where his teammate is basically already dead, but he's going to come in, you know, like, I'll save you, even though there's no way he's saving anybody at this point. And that to me is, I mean, I'll say a concern, but mechanically, it's been going okay. And their shot calling in the early to mid game is great. So if they could just figure out how to not beat themselves, this team is going to be so much fun. And I just want them to get there. I just, I wish I could just shake one of those players and be like, look, you don't have to peel off to try to kill a kindred when you know she has her ultimate and it's not going to do anything. You don't, you don't need to do that. It's going to be okay. But, you know, this is the world in which we live. It's a world in which G2 can throw away a game this week against Vitality by one of the worst pick ban phases I've ever seen. Uh, it's, you know, at least for a team of that high caliber, I've obviously seen worse this split. We've talked about one of the rock at pick and bands that literally made my head explode last week. But as far as top tier teams, teams that should know better, I don't know what G2 was doing there. And those are the things you look at the top of the bracket, right? It's which of these teams are going to beat themselves when it comes to a best of five, because it's one thing to win all these best of ones, right? Unicorns of Love, just pure micro play, can win a lot of best of ones because they have a lot of really talented mechanical players. They can get enough early game leads. Same with G2. They're going to win enough of these skirmishes. But at the same time, what happens in a best of five when teams start adjusting? When teams start picking apart the things that Unicorns of Love and G2 do really well, and they could spend an entire week prepping for just that team. They spent an entire week prepping their picks and bands to adjust to the way that they expect these guys to play. You could even ask the same question for Vitality, to be honest with you, a team that has a very distinct way of playing. Origin 2, though Origin, honestly, at 5-5, five and five, I, are we sure they're going to make the playoffs? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to make the playoffs, but they are only one game ahead with eight games left to play, and they haven't looked great. So maybe it's, you know, I, I don't want to put them in the same category as some of these top tier teams I'm talking about here, but there are a lot of teams at the top of this bracket where you wonder, are they going to beat themselves? Will G2 make the drafts that they need to make in order to win a best of five? Or will their coaching fall flat? Will H2K be able to keep forgiven engaged in these games if they lose game one? Or is he going to do the same thing he did on SK Gaming in the spring split of last year, where he takes all of the responsibility upon himself and the whole team suffers as a result? You know, is Vitality going to be able to come up with continual ways to win, especially as the meta continues to change? Will Unicorns of Love figure out their macro play? These are the four best teams in Europe, and every single one of them has question marks as to what they're going to be capable of when the dust settles and we're in playoff time. But to be honest with you, if I'm Unicorns of Love, if I'm G2, I'm going to be in the playoffs. That's more than certain analysts said at the beginning of the year. Especially you look at G2's gambling lines at the beginning of the year. They were picked to be the last place team in Europe, according to most of the sports books that were out. So you know what? If their biggest worry is we've got to figure out some coaching things before – 
the playoffs roll around, I think they're okay with that. I think that works out just fine. But anyway, those are my rambling thoughts about Europe over the last week. Um, let's get into some gambling lines. We have the smart money bets from last week. We went 3-0 and in Europe. I told you guys we were going to come back in this region. We had Vitality plus 105 over Origin, Unicorns of Love minus 105 over Fnatic, and G2 even over H2K. None of those big bets in and of themselves, but it adds up to $300 that we earned last week, which puts it at a $467 profit if you made $100 bets on every single smart money bet we handed out. We are now 9-6 and six overall on the season. Now, unfortunately, since Walter's not here, obviously I don't have anyone to guess against for these gambling lines. But I am going to go through each of these games one by one and kind of talk about what my guess was where the line actually ended up being, and, and how I feel about that. So the first game of the week, Elements versus Origin. I don't have a lot to say about this game. I think that Elements is 4-0 and against teams below them in the standings and 0-6 against teams above them in the standings. And that says a lot about where Elements is as a team. They weren't meant to be a professional team, right? I, I don't think it's unreasonable that this is where they are. Meanwhile, Origin, you got to hope that you could just feed resources to Sven, and he'll handle that bot lane just fine. If he can't beat the Elements bot lane, then Origin's got a lot more problems. Uh, and I think they will just fine. I guessed minus 300 as a result. It's actually minus 357, which is a little high. And honestly, if Elements had even one quality victory, I would look at the plus 250 on that end as a potential smart money bet. But they literally have beaten no one of real consequence at this point. So I'm not doing that to you guys. I'm certainly not doing it to myself. Rocket versus Splice in game two. You know, I, I feel like this is the time to point out that when I did the podcast last week on Rocket, as, as a fan of Rocket, I was very harsh on the team because I watched them in a different way than I watch any other team. And people always say like, oh, well, you're going to be biased towards your favorite team. And I guess... Either those people aren't fans the same way that I'm a fan, or maybe they just were fans of teams that succeeded a lot. I, I was a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. I've said this many times on the podcast. We're one of the least successful organizations that have ever played professional sports. So I'm used to my teams failing me. I'm used to trying to find reasons why things will go wrong. Because more often than not, you get years like this one where the Falcons started 5-0 and and then ended 8-8. and and miss the playoffs while also screwing over any chance we had at a good draft pick because that's about the most Falcons thing that could have happened. And Rocket, I just I went so far on the negative end of things, both because I was so disappointed by the previous week and because I was hoping for a little bit of reverse jinx potential. And there was one person on the subreddit, I wish I had the comment up there, but this guy spent three or four comments trying to tell me, like, it's going to be okay, man. Look at how close they were to Fnatic. Look at how, you know, this team, they haven't played together as a five-man unit, you know, that much. Tabs can figure some stuff out. Get, you know, let yourself be optimistic. And then last week happened. And I remembered immediately why I should never be optimistic about any team that I love. But on the other hand, they are playing Splice this week. And the line here, I guess Splice minus 150, and it's minus 192. And this is the thing. Betsy has by far been the best thing about Rocket 
right? I, I think that's undoubtedly true. Betsy's stats have been above and beyond what we would have expected from him heading into the season. And yes, I am well aware that Airwalks has been a huge portion of that, but that's fine. What it means is that Senkux is not going to be the guy to hard carry him out of this game. And since Splice can't pick on Safir the way they did last time, I think that bot lane has a chance to go even. And I don't like Freddy 122, but I don't like Wonderware either. I, I guess Splice minus 150. It is minus 192. Rocket, it's plus 145. I'm going to take that as a smart money bet for the same reason that I wanted to take Giants over Rocket last week. Because when two teams are bad, if you can make any amount of a case you know, in favor of the team that is the underdog, why not take the points? I don't think there's anything Splice has shown us in recent weeks that tells me that minus 192 is some thing that we should just take for granted. So why not take plus 145 for Rocket over Splice? And yes, for those of you who have listened to this podcast before, I am going to make that a smart money bet because there really weren't a lot of other great odds this week. I will admit that straight up. But if you're stuck between trying to find odds that don't look great, you might as well take the one where both teams are not particularly strong and anything could happen. And if there's any argument at all, take the points. That's what I'm going to do this week. Unicorns of Love versus Giants. I don't want to spend any time on this. I said minus 400 for Unicorns of Love. It is minus 833. Giants at plus 475. Man, no faith in Giants. And for the record, I don't blame them. Uh, Giants, yes, they beat Rockat, but Rockat is pretty bad. And Giants didn't look great in that game, even though they won. Why would you take them over Unicorns of Love? You wouldn't. But here's the fun thing to remember. If Unicorns of Love are minus 833 against Giants, what happens when, say, H2K plays them next? Or G2 plays them next? How high can we get those Giants line? I am excited. It is, it is getting to the point where it's going to be worth it for somebody to just take Giants in every game and just hope that one of them pays out because the odds will be nice enough. It's not there yet. Plus 475 is not enough for me to say that it's worth putting any money on because it's against Unicorns of Love. It's not going to happen. But if this keeps going up, it's going to be interesting. Just eventually broken clocks are right twice a day, right? Like eventually it might be worth looking at, but certainly not this week. Fnatic versus G2. Game of the week for me. I, I had to take a second to think about it. But I think this is the game of the week for me, mostly because Fnatic is in put-up-or-shut-up mode after this most recent move. And, you know, I found it very interesting. A lot of Reddit was not happy with Noxiac being dropped for Klaj. And I was in favor of it on the podcast. I still am. I've worked with Klaj uh, when he was on MYM Turkey, which has, you know, obviously became Imperial. So... I have a lot of very fond memories of working with him. I think he's a student of the game. I think he works very hard. And, and people should remember, like, oh my god, you know, why would you replace Noxiac? It's like, well, you know, Reckless was in the OP5 for the first time this whole season. So something happened to that bot lane that worked out pretty well for him this week. I understand that they lost to Unicorns of Love, but it's not like that game was a stomp particularly. It does seem like maybe this bot lane decision isn't the problem. I think the problem with this team 
is that Spirit hasn't showed up the way that he was supposed to, and that Gamsu hasn't lived up to what we saw in the first game of the season, where he was being this monster and actually able to play with a bit of a lead and steamroll his opponent. And Fnatic, at some point, they have to prove that they could hang in there with a top team. Right now, if you look at Fnatic's losses, I mean, they do have that win against H2K from Week 2, but let's remember that if Oduwamne just keeps pushing that bot lane and doesn't turn back after the Baron is clearly going to go Fnatic's way, they win that game, and Fnatic doesn't have any wins against teams above them in the standing. But as it stands right now, they lost to G2, they lost to Vitality, and they have now lost twice to the Unicorns of Love. And to me, you have to prove, if I'm supposed to take you seriously as a playoff threat, you have to prove you can at least hang in there with the better teams in the region. And right now, with the way that Gamsu's been playing, with the way that Spirit's been playing, and honestly, with the way that Reckless has been playing a bit, I I think that he's regressed to some of his more passive tendencies and elements now that he doesn't have someone like Yellowstar forcing him to be more aggressive. And that is one of the reasons why Klaj was brought in. Let's you know, be realistic here. It's something that Reckless has kind of hinted at in interviews that he likes playing a more passive style and Noxiak wanted to be more aggressive and Klaj is more happy to kind of play however his AD carry wants to play. But that worries me to a certain extent. It's not something that's had a ton of success for Reckless in the past. And so Fnatic really, this is a game I'd like to see them step up. I think the G2 is the better team here. I had G2 minus 150. It is G2 minus 164. So we'll see. I think that there is a chance for Fnatic to really step up here. Obviously, I hope that G2 manages to pick a composition in which they can play at their best, because if they just throw away a game like they did last week, then it doesn't really tell us anything. But it's certainly going to be a very exciting game to watch, and I really want to see if Fnatic can pull it off and take that next step. Vitality versus H2K, this is the best game of the week if you're someone who isn't me, who doesn't love these weird little eccentric kind of details about, you know, is the five seed really going to be a threat going into the playoffs? You know, if you just want two of the best teams in the league right now, it's Vitality and H2K. Vitality had a great week last week, made me feel a lot better for picking Cabochard as my MVP for the midseason. He had an amazing week with a 21.0 KDA on Fiora and Graves last week. Nuke Duck was also in the OP5. This team just looks so good right now because it finally does seem like they know exactly what they want to be. And as long as Shook isn't costing them games, they're going to be fine. But the thing is here, they're playing H2K gaming. And when they played the first time around, it was very clear that H2K could just suffocate them out. Because Shook couldn't make plays. They weren't going to be able to force objectives the same way that H2K could. And so once the sidelines were pushed up, Vitality didn't have a counter to whatever H2K was trying to throw out there. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see if that's changed. H2K, of course, they're getting Ryu back this week. But is this a Ryu that's going to be at the top of his game? Or is this going to be a transition period as they try to get used to having him back in the mid lane again? I doubt that they were scrimming too much with him when he was over in Korea. You know, they needed to practice with Selfie. They didn't know how long the visa process was going to take, more, more likely than not. 
it's been done. It's been taken care of, and I'm glad to see him back. But maybe Nuke Duck can get away with one here. I don't think that Oduwamne can stand up to what Cabochard's been doing recently. And if Forgiven isn't going to be the Forgiven we saw in the first couple weeks of the season, I really like Vitality in this matchup. That being said, I did pick H2K minus 180 because I thought that was where the gamblers were going to go. It's actually a little closer. It's minus 149. But I'm still going to take Vitality plus 115 over H2K. And I will explain why later. It's going to make more sense. But just remember that I did this as a smart money bet. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. But let's go to day two of games. Giants versus Elements. I don't want to say anything about this game. I really hate that Giants now has two wins, so we have to pretend like we take them seriously now. Elements is 4-0 and against teams that are lower than them in the standings, and guess what? Giants are lower than them in the standings. That said, I thought it was minus 200. I thought maybe there was going to be a little bit of a bump because Giants won last week. There was not. It is Elements minus 303. And I looked at that Giants plus 220 line for a very... Very long time before I remember that Elements is at least competent, and Giants, they're just not. It's just it's a game, it's a team that only won last week because Rockat beat themselves, and I have no faith in them going forward. So I'm not going to uh, go into too much more detail on that. Vitality versus Unicorns of Love. This is another one I'm really excited to see play out because. The last time we saw these guys in week four, it was one of the best games that we have seen so far. A game with so many back and forth plays. You know, Unicorns of Love were able to take it in the end, but there were a lot of times where Vitality looked like they had control here. Unicorns of Love had no way of responding to the sidelines for the vast majority of this game. Cabochard and Nukeduck were really running wild to a pretty large extent. And meanwhile, with the Unicorns of Love, they were just doing so well at these skirmishes. Whenever they could force Vitality to fight them, it would go in their favor, and it created this really fun back-and-forth power struggle. I'm really excited to see these two teams go head-to-head again. My only thing that I regret is that we have to see it happen so soon after the last time. We just saw this in Week 4. It's only been a week, and I know we're moving to Patch 6.3, so some things will have changed, but... I really would have loved to see these teams have a couple more games under their belt, really have to get a handle on where they are and then go back into this head-to-head and see if they can really show that they've grown since the last time they they played each other. As it stands, though, Vitality's week last week was enough to make the casinos forget that Unicorns of Love beat them the last time around. Actually, I predicted that. I I picked minus 140 for Vitality. It is minus 137. It was one of the bets on which I was closest this week. Uh, Unicorns of Love at plus 105, and I thought about it. I thought about it for a very, very long time before I realized that right now I did not want to bet against Cabochard and Nukeduck when the Unicorns of Love have still not demonstrated an ability to deal with the split push effectively. Next up, Origin versus H2K Gaming. Now, remember when I told you to remember that whole H2K thing? Well, I'm going to pick Origin as a smart money bet here as well. And if I just told you the line, you'd think I was insane. Because I actually – I thought that H2K was going to be favored, minus 220. It's actually only minus 164. So the odds for Origin are not great. It's plus 125. 
But here's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. H2K is not going to and this week. I, I would be very, very surprised if H2K went 2-0 this week, mostly because they're going to be reincorporating Ryu, which takes some time. Oduamne has had some moments where he has been off his game, which is concerning. And Forgiven did not look as sharp as he needs to be in order to put up with an origin team that has Sven going head-to-head with him this week. And Sven has looked as good as Sven has so far this season. That is a really... It's really hard to imagine that H2K is going to beat both Vitality and Origin when all of those things are true. Now, do I think the line is low? Yeah, I think the line is too low. I don't think Origin has done enough that we should be looking at them as a team that is only, you know, minus 164 from H2K. I think that's a little bit insulting, honestly, to H2K and what they've done. But, you know, it's easy for me to say that. I'm the one who wants value on the gambling line here, and Unicorn is the one saying, no, we're not going to give it to you. But... Putting those in tandem, as long as one of those wins, as long as Vitality or Origin beat H2K, you're going to be in the black because you make more money from those bets than you would put up. And if both come true, then you look great. The only way we lose is if H2K goes 2-0. And I just I refuse to believe it given that Ryu has just gotten back and all of the other problems we've seen from them. I just think this is a tough slate to go back-to-back with, and I think one of them will slip. So those are the three smart money bets for this week. Rock App plus 1 to 45 over Splice, Vitality plus 115 over H2K, and Origin plus 125 over H2K. I really – I want to get us comfortably in the black so that we can start having some fun with some of the late-season bets, with some of the prop bets when we get to the playoffs. I just – I want us firmly in the black before we start goofing around and inevitably blow this entire successful season that we've had. But Splice versus Fnatic, let's just do the last two games really quick because these are games that should not be particularly close. Uh, Fnatic, I had minus 300. It's minus 323. I think that's very fair. I don't think Splice has enough ammo right now to deal with everything Fnatic can throw out there. And Fabibin will more than be able to hold his own against Senkux. I'm not concerned for Fnatic in this game. But that's kind of why I'm hoping that they put all of their energy towards this G2 game because you should be able to beat a team like Splice pretty easily if you're Fnatic. So put all your time into this G2 game and prove that you should be well above what a lot of people that are criticizing this team right now might say about them. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, last game of the day, of the week, I should say. Rocket versus G2 Esports. I was about to say Gamers 2. It's not Gamers 2. It's G2 Esports. Uh, actually, G2 Vodafone. I forgot. We have to add that sponsorship in there, which is a little awkward. But at the same time, shout out to them for getting Vodafone. That is a huge cell phone provider in Europe. So that's pretty exciting that we now get to call them G2 Vodafone for whatever that's worth. But all naming aside, I don't really care what they're named. They're going to destroy Rocket. I said minus 400 because Europe's kept the lines pretty close as a general rule. And it is minus 667, which is completely fair. Rocket at plus 410. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Rocket's not a good team. I, they might beat Splice because I don't think Splice is a great team either. But they're not beating G2. And that's the week. That's ten gambling lines and more time spent with you guys than I was originally planning. But hopefully, you enjoyed this weird kind of trek into the mind of Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. And if you did, 
awesome. Let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. I'm on Twitter at, at RedshirtKing. I also I put all this stuff on Reddit. Uh, I obviously can't tell you to go upvoted or what anything like that because that would be breaking all of the Reddit rules. But if you happen to see it on there and you want to leave feedback or whatever else, I always love getting feedback. Don't care about upvotes. I care about feedback because that's what helps us get better as a podcast. Uh, you can also find us on uh, soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on rough drafts if you search for podcasts on iTunes. Uh, we have now figured out how to make them downloadable off of both of those sites. So you can download them directly onto your devices or you can stream them or you can do pretty much whatever you want. You can even go to unicorn.com slash community and listen to the podcast on there. While reading the nice little write-up that I like to do on that site. Uh, if you didn't like the solo cast, don't worry. I understand that this is obviously a very different kind of show than the one we usually put out. Walter will be back next week, and I will be back with way more time to have prepared for the podcast. So you'll expect us to go back to normal operations at that time. But until Friday, where I will be doing a solo cast for North America, goodbye, Internet.